I can respect that. I just know that if I joined an archery competition, especially in the Olympics, I'm probably going to end up going against like some kid from Taiwan that's been shooting the bow and arrow since he was three to catch fish. You know, like it's going to be something like that, that it's like, I can't beat this. There's no way I can beat this. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Pick and Play show. Today, we're going to be breaking down NBA free agency, AFC North, you know, my NFL home, and we got all three people here today, Zell, Leo, your pal Gordo, let's chop it up. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight M's in my bank account, yeah, 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 in my bank account, I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, first, let's talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. And before Leo gets a chance to defend the retirement home they're building out there, Zell, what's your takeaway? Free agency, Lakers. Go. The AARP Lakers, man. AARP Lakers. <laughs> and the retirement checks. Um, yeah. they, uh, I, I do like the Monk signing and the Kendrick Nunn signing that just happened today. Um, putting some youth there, some athletic guards. Um, both of them are can get to the rim. Um, both of them, they're not the you know consistently shooters. I know Monk umped his percentage last season, but I like those. Everything else, Ariza. Um, I love Melo, of course. Hope I love my dude Melo. Um, hope he gets a ring. Uh, he deserves one. But Ariza, who else? Who else did they get? Um, well, they got um. They just signed Dwight Howard back, so they they got they they got everyone that would have been a really good team in two thousand like sixteen seventeen. Right. Trade over for Russ, and they end up just completely chopped up, and and we had to make fun of them a just little a tad bit, bit, just a tad uh, before bit, you know, just a, just a little bit before Leo can give us his little insight here. What do you think, Bud? Lakers in six. Lakers in six. We're back to it. I don't care who the matchup is next offseason or next uh, next playoffs. I'm sorry. If healthy, Lakers in six, man. We're not playing with them this season. How's this going to go? How's this going to go? You, you, where's any shooting hmm. coming from? You lose Caruso, not totally upset with it. Where does the shooting come from here? I mean, I, I like the Malik Monk signing, just like uh, Zell was just saying here. But they definitely need some more shooters. I know they signed Wayne Ellington. They signed Ariza. Uh, they signed Melo. Uh, I'm sure they're hoping to get shooting from them and Malik Monk and uh, Kendrick Nunn. I, you know, I'm, I, I am assuming that that's what they're going to try to do here because there's not really many roster spots left on the team. Uh, but the, the team is stacked. I'm feeling good again. Lakers in six, as I said. Like, I like, to be honest, like... They've got a lot of names and a lot of pieces, but to me, like you said, that the shooting and then the playmaking because we haven't been able to see Russ change the type of player he is. Like he's most effective when he has the rock in his hands to set people up. So you need to put better players who can shoot around him and who can still playmake. So you got Monk and Nunn, but other than that, like you just mentioned, Wayne Ellington, eh, he's really more of a spot up. Melo can obviously go get his, but eh, I think they need some more youth and some more shooting there. But I, I do like them as of right now to get out of the West for sure. I feel like the conversation around the Westbrook trade is a little off right now. I feel like most people are looking at it like, okay, the Lakers, they formed their big three now with Westbrook. 
I, I mean, obviously, the, they're trying to add more top-end talent. Like, that's obvious when you add Westbrook. But I think that the trade was more about preserving LeBron than it is necessarily building some kind of big three that can compete with the other big threes in the league. You know, I think that you've seen the Lakers try to make this exact same move twice before in the last maybe 10 years. When they try to get Chris Paul for Kobe, it was the same thing. They were trying to lighten his workload so that as he got older, you know, the injuries would stop piling up. And then when they got Steve Nash, it was them directly saying, hey, we put too much on Kobe. We need to get some help here uh, in terms of playmaking. I think they're taking a, a play out of their own book. And just trying to kind of alleviate the pressure on him a little bit, extend his career a little bit. I don't think it's necessarily Westbrook is the the key to win the championship. I think it's more so Westbrook can create, and that alleviates pressure off LeBron. The more pressure that LeBron is uh, alleviated from, I think the more we're going to get from him in the playoffs because he's 36. He's old. Yeah, I I feel that because even if you have like LeBron resting some games or whatever it may be, Westbrook and AD, that's a better duo than 75% of the league can have along with the dudes that they have around them. So I, I could see where you're coming from with that because Father Tom hasn't stopped LeBron yet. We kind of saw it did a little bit last season when he had that high ankle sprain. So I, I see where you're coming from with that. You insert Westbrook in there with AD if he's healthy and that's still a solid duo. So Right. I mean, they might not have the spacing. The you know, It, it might not be the ideal big three. But I, I think that if you can give LeBron some playmaking help, you know, and make it so that LeBron can even take 10, 15 games off and it won't matter. Because like you say, Westbrook and AD, that's the top end, top two, especially for the games against the Timberwolves, you know, the games against the Pelicans, the Spurs. You know, you don't need LeBron for those games. You can go out there with Westbrook, AD and a bunch of uh, shooters and role players and get wins in those games. And that, you know, that kind of rest will add up later in the season. So let's follow, jump around the NBA a little bit here. So let's go ahead and follow uh, probably the most high-profile Laker to leave in the offseason, Alex Caruso. And he makes his way to the Chicago Bulls in a reuniting with Lonzo Ball. The Bulls today signed DeMar DeRozan. A lot of people thought that he was going to end up with Lowry in Miami. There was also a really good 15 minutes on Twitter where everyone put him in a Laker jersey which is tradition, and the Chicago Bulls next year. Leo, are they, they going to be able to sneak into the backside of the playoffs here? I see a lot of people getting excited about the Bulls, and I get it because the Bulls have been kind of asked for the better side of like a decade now. Like uh, Other than the Rose Bulls, they've been pretty bad for a while now. Um but I'm not I'm not jumping for joy or anything, you know, like I'm not ready to crown the Bulls as one of the contenders in the East or anything like I'm seeing right now. Levine, Ball, uh, Vooch, you know, that's all cool. DeRozan, I really like Patrick Williams, like that's all cool, but like uh, <clears throat> how high can your expectations be? Uh, unless Levine's about to give us like an 06 Kobe year where, he, you know, he's giving us 30-some a game, then... Uh, they'll be in the playoffs. Like, they might be a 6 7 seed. They'll probably get bounced first round. Like, that's what I think about that team now. Okay. Yeah. Um, I definitely thought last year when they made that Vooch deal, not too long after, before the deadline, that they were going to make the playoffs. So the fact that they didn't even make the play in was kind of like, damn, for real? Like, but I mean, I guess it's not that surprising when Levine and Vooch aren't really known for defense like that. But, um, yeah, on paper, I would say, um, 
them and the Heat and the Lakers so far this offseason or free agency so far, are, you know, on paper champions of the offseason. But I think they should be a top five seed in the East with what they have right now. I mean, obviously, they're not better than Brooklyn. They're not better than Milwaukee. Eh, I would say they're not better than Philly as of right now. Um, and they're not better than the Heat. But after that, like, you could say them, Atlanta, uh, the Knicks. I mean, they could be anywhere in that, I said, a five to eight spot. They definitely should make the playoffs, though. But like Leo said, it's not their – if you're a Bulls fan, you're jumping for joy, yes. Because like he said, you know, outside of those D-Rose years, Joe Kim, Noah, Lou Deng, and them boys, they really haven't had too much success. But it looks like that new GM they got from the Nuggets, he's just trying to win now, bring a formidable team around them. Like he said, I like Patrick Williams. I do kind of like Kobe White. He was a little inconsistent last season, but him coming off the bench now, maybe not having as much pressure to, you know, score and things like that would be better for him. So um, I think they need some more shooting, too. If Markinen stays with them, that'll be big, too. Um, and he'll be a helpful piece, but I don't see how they could do that. But we'll see about that. But yeah. Man, I've been waiting for Markinen to be a good player for, what, three years now? Like, I feel like <laughs> I'm done waiting on Markinen. Oh, like, how, oh. how many chances am I supposed to be excited over Laurie Markinen? Yeah, him and Wendell, they thought that was the front court of the future. And it's not looking, they obviously shouldn't Wendell to Orlando in the Vooch deal. But it's not looking too good for him. Maybe he can focus more on playing off of, you know, Lonzo and DeRozan setting him up. Because I think DeRozan's a pretty good setup guy for... You know, everybody thinks about him in scoring mode, but he's a pretty good playmaker overall. Um, but we'll see. He's he's got a lot to prove for sure. So Zell, yeah, I gotta ask. Well, I gotta I gotta get right to it here. Hit me with it. Hit me What's with up it. with Evan Fournier? Four years, seventy eight million to the Knicks. Because when I saw that, mm-hmm. like my stomach started hurting a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I put my phone down for a second. I'm really confused because mm-hmm. I've seen the Knicks. They've been making great moves uh, for the last, i say, year now, ever since they switched up the GM, uh, President of Basketball opera- Operations, that whole front office. Mm-hmm. But what's up with this Evan Fournier deal? Because what is that? So I'm not going front, man. Um, I really think we could have, and I wish we could have signed him for a couple less million, maybe more in like 16, 17 range. Um, getting him at 19, it, <sighs> We definitely overpaid a little bit, but if you watch the Knicks, and I know you guys did mainly like in the playoffs, and I mean, I watch damn near every game, he really fits with somebody that we needed. You could say we overpaid a couple million. Yes, we had the money to do it. I wish it was, again, like more like 16, 17 range, but getting him at 19 for what he's going to bring, we basically swapped him with Reggie Bullock. And Reggie Bullock was pretty non-existent in the playoffs because the Hawks just put Trey Young on him and he couldn't even attack him because he doesn't do anything off the dribble. Fournier actually can shoot, he can play make, he can create off the bounce, and he's got pretty good vision. So, I mean, I, I, I don't like it at 19 mil, but I do like his fit alongside of RJ, alongside of Randall, um, and bringing the other guys back. So, everybody looks at it immediately is like, oh, dang, 19 mil a year for Fournier? Like, we've seen him, but... For what the Knicks needed, um, I, I like the fit. I mean, I'm not going to trip about it, you know, four or five million dollars extra that we paid him. Like, it's, it is what it is. We have the most money going into free agency. So, and it's not like there was a huge big name we could have gotten. You know, this free agency, there wasn't really a big name for us to get. Chris Paul, we knew he was going to resign. Kawhi is going to be out all off, you know, all season. And DeRozan, I, I wanted DeRozan, but. He would have been a nice fit, but I, 
they prioritize more the guy who can spread the floor a little bit more than him. And I don't even know if, you know, we were going to offer him that much. So, yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. Again, I wish I could get a sign him for less, a little less, but I'm not going to trip about you know, four or five million dollars. So. I think the entire plan for the Knicks is to stay in the playoff hunt and show people how electric the garden can be and use that to lure Zion or someone there in a trade. So as long as they don't lose assets, which is why they didn't want to do the DeMar DeRozan trade, they go, hey, look, we're not giving up assets because we're going to need it to go get Zion. So we need to hold on to things. If we overpay, that's fine because we just need to make the playoffs. Like That, that place was rocking all throughout, and that city went apeshit. Zion even came out and was like, this is pretty fucking cool. So I really think the only goal of the offseason was like, if someone wants to come here, great. If not, we'll pay someone to put up points in the regular season. We know he disappoints in the postseason. That's not the point. The point is get him in, get to the postseason, show everyone what a great place it is to play, have someone you know like Zion go, I'm going to New York. And we've been wishing about that for a while, but I think people got a taste of what it could be last year. I think that was the only goal of the Knicks. Stay flexible for one of these big, big stars that demand their way to New York. Like AD demanded his way to the Lakers. So make it a one-way street for trade partners. That's that's the point, right? That's a great point you bring up, Matt. Because if you look at the deals... All of them towards the end of them, like we re-signed Nerlens Noel, we re-signed Alex Burks. Um, those are all two and ones, and they're all team options. The Fournier deal was a three and one, but they're very tradable contracts. Like let's say this whole Dame Lillard talk or whatever, we end up, you know, being in talks with Portland for that. Those are all tradable contracts to move off of to kind of match the salaries. So you're right. I think it's just to show that they can compete, make the playoffs at whatever seed, like you said, show that. Hey, we've got some pieces here. We've still got a hell of a lot of draft picks and assets that you can move to kind of get a star. Because free agency really is kind of not up to you. You can't force a player to come to you. Trading, you probably have a little yep. bit more leverage. So that's that's a good point you bring up. You know, they get Noel, Rose resigns, Taj Gibson resigns. They're able to keep who they wanted to keep. So I think it's going to be – I think it's almost necessary. Uh, one take a walk down a little side street here with me. We have always thought that the East is a joke and the teams that make the playoffs in the East, you know, are underperformers compared to the West. But this upcoming year, we're talking about Chicago looking like a team that could be in the mix here. Indiana's most likely going to be more healthy than they were last year. They're going to return a good team. Washington's kind of going to be caught in the middle here, but they've got pieces You've, Toronto looks like they're bowing out. Cleveland and Orlando both don't look like they're going to make an effort. But we could have legitimately 10 teams fighting for playoff spots here. And it'd be exciting all the way down to the end. And then, you know, getting the play-in. Uh, if you've got a pick, and we'll put you, I'll put you both on the spot here. If you've got to pick one of these three teams to not make the playoffs, who is it? And that means oh, not make the play-in. Charlotte? Chicago or Washington? I'm, I got to go with Washington. Yeah. Definitely go with Washington because, I mean, they've okay. got Beal and then what? They just got Kuzma and KCP and it's Beal and what? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I got to go with Washington yeah. too okay. out of those three. I mean, Beal and Dinwiddie is nice, but, like, 
Leo just said, outside of that, I mean, you got Montrez, KCP, Kuz, but Rui Hachimura. Um, but if I had to choose out of those three, it'd be Washington, yeah. And that's tough because, like, that, honestly, I really think that five through the playing seeds, five through ten in the East is really kind of up for grabs. So, I mean, Boston had a down, down year last year. If they can round that ship out, they were a seventh seed last year. They should be able to push them to the top. It is a crowded field now. Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, they have not gone anywhere. New York got better. Um, Atlanta right now has Stan Pat. That's a team that hasn't done much. Uh, Boston, again, we're just hoping they get healthy. Washington trades away. Indiana, Charlotte haven't done anything. Chicago's up. And then that leaves one team left in the East for us to really dive into here. And that would be Miami Heat. They have done an incredible amount. They bring in Kyle Lowry. Jimmy Butler gets a mega deal. Duncan Robinson gets an extension. They ruthlessly steal P.J. Tucker from the Milwaukee Bucks. Gabe Vincent they bring in for depth. Markeith Morris headed to Miami. That's breaking now. So this is a the Miami Heat have taken everything they had, retooled, re-geared up, and they're making a push. Serious title contender or no? What I think is like an underrated that I haven't really heard much people talk about with all these Miami Heat moves is that I don't think as much pressure is going to be on Tyler Hero. Like, I think he can focus on more coming off the bench. He might start a few games maybe, but he can just lock in on just being maybe like that Lou Will or Jamal Crawford. Just come in and be get buckets, be a playmaker for that second unit. I think last year coming off of what he did in the bubble – you know, everybody had all these high expectations for him, and he was inconsistent, and everybody was like, trade him, which they should have, for James Harden and put him in trade packages. And, you know, a lot of Heat fans that I know, they were kind of down on him. But I feel like this year he's going to have a big bounce back, you know, being able to play off of, you know, Kyle Lowry, being able to play off of Jimmy with the intention, bam. Um, P.J. Tucker being there, too. Just some vets around him to kind of uplift him more. Um, so I... I I wouldn't say they're a finals, you know, contender really. Um, but I definitely think they could make, you know, the conference finals in the East or at least second round, you know. Um, the moves they made, Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker definitely fit, you know, heat culture and the type of players Spolster and Pat Riley want to bring in their dog, you know. Um, so I, I like what they've done. Miami's gonna be one of those teams that is a championship contender, but nobody really wants to admit it. And and I say championship contender in the in the way that I could see them making the championship. I don't really see them winning the championship. And I don't say that I see them making the championship because I'm some big fan of the Heat. I just think when you look at their roster, you know, if they have healthy Kyle Lowry, healthy Jimmy Butler, healthy Bam Adebayo, you know, the 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 cast of shooters that they have coming off the bench. I just think. They definitely could take out any of the teams in the East in a in a one series kind of thing. Like you could definitely see them beating Philly, right? It's not impossible to see them beating Milwaukee. We just saw it two postseasons ago. Brooklyn might be a little bit of a stretch, but I've seen crazier things, you know. So like I could see Miami in the best case scenario making the championship, uh, but I would take the team representing the West probably in every scenario if they did. So I, I do see them as a contender, but I don't really see them as a championship team. I think if everything broke perfectly, we could see them in the finals, just like we saw them uh, a season ago. I I don't really think they have the tight end, the top end talent 
to make it. I just don't. Like, they're going to have to have Brooklyn get hurt. I think that we've seen the Milwaukee take it to another level. I mean, they took it. They took them to the woodshed this year. They played this year, and Giannis and them took him to the woodshed. Maybe there was some fatigue there. I just don't really see it. I think these are great moves. They're going to be competitive. I still think unless Bam can take the next step, I think this is a team that's going to kind of live or die by wing threes. And if Robinson and Heron are pulling them off, they could get hot. I just think there's better shooters that can, that can kind of neutralize them. I'm glad but you asked we'll about see. Robinson. There's going to be injuries. So uh, did I see correctly that he got a $90 million deal? He sure did. Five year, yeah. 90 mil. Flossy. All right, so I was debating this with a friend of mine earlier today, and I got to ask you guys, what do you think about that deal? Because I feel like, um, what's homeboy from the Nets? Joe Harris? The, the Their shooter. Yeah, Joe, Joe Harris. Harris. I'm, I'm sorry, Joe Harris. Okay. I feel like Joe Harris just showed us why you don't pay that guy uh, a whole bunch of money. Joe Harris got, what, 80, 90 million himself the, the offseason before? Right. Yeah. And, and when the playoffs came, if Joe Harris isn't hitting a three, what the hell is Joe Harris doing for you? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's how I feel about Duncan Robinson. Like, yeah, he's a sniper. You need the shooter. Like, it, very necessary. But when it gets to the playoffs, if he stops hitting, you can't play him. And I don't want to pay yeah. that guy $90 million. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. Look, what you know, There's a. I thought there were a lot of fucking hefty contracts. But the truth is, that's just the ceiling. I mean, we talked about the Fournier con, uh, <laughs> contract. Some of them are higher. And then on top of all of these crazy contracts, Chris Paul backs out of his $42 million guaranteed, and everyone goes, ooh, is he going somewhere? Because that he's not going to get more money than that. We're wrong. Uh, the Phoenix Suns back up the Brinks truck and are going to now pay Chris Paul, who is having offseason surgery again, for four years and he's going to play till he's 41 for the phoenix suns so yeah where are we there yikes okay i think that is a crazy fucking move and um we can talk about how some of these guys are getting overpaid but the truth is salary cap just keeps going up they're going to keep making more money and these middle ground guys you got to spend the money but, I mean, shit, I don't have a problem spending a money with someone you could say, hey, this guy could have his best season ever. That is not possible with Chris Paul. And you are going to pay him more than he's ever made. I, I, I think this is a crazy, crazy overpay. And they are going to be hamstrung as shit when they get bounced out in the first round next year. And Devin Booker goes, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm not sitting in this sinking fucking boat no longer. I'm out of here. So... Uh, what are your takes on the Phoenix Suns taking Chris Paul basically to the grave? I, I got my dog CP3 back, man. I, I don't care what the amount was. You pay him that. There's not many point guards you can say that have had the longevity and the consistency that he has at his age. Like, Lowry just got the bag, and he's, I think, 36. So, if he can kind of stay healthy and kind of have that impact like CBD does all to him, but we haven't really seen many do it. And I mean, they just were up 2-0 in the finals. This man, like you just said, literally had a, had his wrist hurt, played through it, and he's having offseason surgery on his wrist. I mean, Phoenix really, honestly, really didn't have much of a choice. You know, um, I think Chris Paul knew that 
going there last offseason, if he opted out this year, he was going to stay there because, especially after them just getting to the finals, you know, it wasn't like they were going to pay him less because he knew that was pretty much his market. So he had all the leverage in this situation. I don't have an issue with Phoenix doing it um, because if they would have lost Chris Paul, you're not even going to get anywhere. I don't care who you get. If you got two other guards, three other guards, you're not going to get anyone that brings his, you know, um, cerebralness to the game, his leadership to the game, everything else that he brings. Like, I'm fine with the deal. Obviously, you know, if they don't get that far in the playoffs these next two years, they'll make him some moves or adjustments. But they, what else could they have done? You know what I'm saying? I think D-Book's deal is up in like two or three years. So they still have that window to try to compete and, you know, try to compete for a championship. I don't see the issue with it, to be honest. I really don't. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of in the same boat as Denzel. I said yikes before only because, like, I don't want to have Chris Paul on the books at age 40. But they don't have a choice. Like like you say, they, they really have no choice. The entire city of Phoenix would have been with pitchforks outside of uh, Sarver's <laughs> home if he, if he chose not to pay Chris right. Paul. So, like, what the fuck are you going to do? you got to pay Chris Paul. And, and I guess that's ultimately the whole conversation. Like, there's not really much debate to be had because what are you going to do? Not pay him? You just went to the NBA Finals for the mm-hmm. first time since Charles Barkley was there. Right. Like, you got to pay him. You just have to. And that's kind of where that conversation ends. You just got to cross your fingers and do some, some kind of black magic and just pray to God that he stays healthy for mm-hmm. three of the four years. You know? And if you get a healthy Chris Paul for three of those four years, then that's probably a win. Ain't no disrespect to campaign, but See, like, I, they weren't going to try him out there as a starter <laughs> after a resign. No, 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 hell no. Couldn't do that. No, and and I think my look on it is going. You, I'm, I don't have a problem with him getting his money. I look at it and say, hey, I give you a two year deal. That's where I think you could have came down. You go out in the league and tell me the most money you can make. Send your agent out. Tell me the most money you can make in two years. I'm going to pay you that. If someone's going to offer you a three year deal, let's see it. You know, and, and maybe I can work out like a side and trade with them. I just, I, I think you're 100% right. There's no better option for next year. But I think you really limit your options for year two, three, and four. I think a little and bit. I think of, that's what I have the problem with. A little bit of what we saw, I think, with his contract specifically, the amount of years and the money, it's a little bit of that Kobe factor. I know we we all remember when Kobe was, uh, yeah, he true. was past his prime, we'll call it. And the Lakers said, you know what, Kobe, we're going to give you two years max extension. And everyone was like, Kobe Bryant is not worth this amount of money. He's about to retire. And the Lakers said, I don't care. Kobe Bryant, here, take some money. <laughs> and it's kind of like yeah, a goodwill. Kobe in L.A. versus Chris Paul one year. And Chris Paul just took him to the finals. He just took him to the finals. In Phoenix, that's a big deal. In Phoenix, that's a big deal. Sure, but it's Kobe, Kobe Bryant has five rings for y'all. That taking Phoenix Five. to the finals in Phoenix Suns' eyes is probably the equivalent to a title uh, or two titles. You are disrespecting <laughs> the shit out of them right now. <laughs> I, I feel, I feel what Leo's saying. You I are just Leo's dragging saying. them around as a franchise. I'm just saying, I hear what when, you're saying, but you are dragging the Phoenix them. Phoenix Suns won a championship. It hasn't been in my oh, life, yeah. so I'm pretty sure that that last run that they just had is like a championship uh, in their eyes. The closest was the national Ari days when the Spurs punked them couple times in the playoffs since what yeah. one on the record leo thinks that one uh, phoenix sun 
a two-win championship game is worth five rings. No, not five. That's maybe right. one, though. You know, maybe one. Well, yeah, like, sure. They got a ring. They got a ring last yeah, season he said, in their eyes. He, he wants they, everyone to know. Poverty franchise is what he just called Their ring Phoenix. was us. Oh, 100%. Uh, one, exactly. That right. meme is their ring. <laughs> yeah, and that was. It felt good, too. All right, uh, Leo, any team you want to talk about uh, left that we missed? Uh, the Golden State Warriors. I think that it's kind of crazy that – and we're getting into a little draft stuff. I don't, I don't even think we're going to get to too much of this draft stuff, but let's touch on it now. I was surprised that they ended up using both the 7th and 14th picks uh, instead of trading them. And I know I, I heard a little bit that they tried to get Bradley Beal. Apparently Bradley Beal was the one that said, no, I want to stay, which is fucking crazy, but whatever, respect to Bradley Beal. They really st- they stuck and they picked two rookies at at seven and fourteen and I'm just wondering what are the odds that you guys think that those two rookies they picked are still on the team at the end of next season? Like, are these guys really gonna be warriors or are they just chips in in a bigger picture, a bigger plot? I think they're chips. I don't care what um what's it Lakeup is his name. They're a GM or their owner or whatever. I think they're chips. They're gonna have them play because Clay should be back healthy. Um, obviously, Steph's healthy. Draymond's there. Year two of Wiseman. I think they're going to show, like, okay, these are what these guys can do around us. Their game should be elevated, not as much pressure on them. And I definitely think they're chips. Like, I don't see how you can count on two 19-year-olds, you know, coming into a team that's has some pieces ready to, to contend for a championship and expect them to elevate you above the likes of, you know, the Suns, the Nuggets, the Lakers. You know, I, I just... Utah, I just can't, I just can't see that. You know, I, I definitely think they're going to be chips because if they stay on the team throughout the whole season, I, I don't see unless they have some big surprising rookie years. Um, I don't see how they can be true, true contenders for like you know a championship game. So, I, I think they're assets. Well, I'll tell you this: I think the Warriors went half, kind of got caught halfway between two things. They had one bad year with Clay. Clay was going to miss it. They're like, let's retool this thing. The problem is they didn't really retool it. And the way they're trying to retool it may take additional time. And they don't have that time on the other end of the scale. So I think it's kind of looking at this and going, Steph isn't going to deteriorate, really. His game's just not going to deteriorate like that offensively. Clay's going to need some time when he's back. We've seen Draymond take a step back. Um Andrew Wiggins has turned into a really, really weird, weird, weird piece. You can't get rid of him. Like, you have to give up something to get rid of Wiggins. So instead of turning him into, like, a positive, he's kind of a negative, And he takes up a bunch of cap space. So it's, it's an interesting place. They have these pieces that can be traded. But they've also got these dead weight, like, anchors that are keeping them on the shore. And they didn't really, you know, like Wiseman's a great prospect, but we got to see him develop. They're kind of stuck now. Once you make that pick, people get to see how it looks before they trade. So I think the Warriors ended up in a really weird spot. And Zell, to your point, like they're going to struggle to compete. And if they can't add pieces and get rid of Wiggins, this is going to look real weird accumulating all those draft picks and then going, we, we drafted the players. They didn't pan out. We were unable to get assistance for another title run. Like, that's 
that's an option. So you guys both kind of just touched on it. And my follow up question is something that you guys already kind of have walked me into here. But you guys don't think that they're a championship contender this year unless they make a trade? There's no way that the Warriors are are the ones holding up the trophy at the end of the year. Let's say that the rookies are decent. Let's say Wiseman is gives them something. Maybe he's not a star, but he gives them something. You got Wiggins sliding into that Harrison Barnes role from back in the day. You got Wiseman sliding into that Andrew Bogut role. They can't. You guys don't think so? Let's say Clay is ninety nope. percent of what he used to be. Nope. I I just. If 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 Clay is healthy and he can get back to two years ago, Clay or three years ago, however many, I think it was three now. I I I think they could be, but I can't I can't see them winning, man. I, I just think the top teams like the Nets, the Bucks, the Lakers, those teams up there, I don't I can't see them getting past them. Um, in the West though, I could see them getting out of it just because Kawhi's missing the whole season basically we don't know how he's gonna look jamal murray is missing majority of the season so really at the top of the west it's going to be the lakers it's going to be phoenix and it's going to be probably utah again because they got the same nucleus so i could see them hanging with those guys but i can't see them holding up you know a championship title no i I can't unless they make another big move i I guess that's where i differ fighting with dallas I differ from you guys. I think that they can. I think that they will be in in contention for a championship. And pending the health of Clay, that's what I'll say. As long as Clay is 90%, 80% of what he used to, as long as Clay can still be Clay, then I think that they can still be contenders because who who in the league is running away with it right now? I mean, Brooklyn. Brooklyn is the only team that you can look at and say clearly, like, yes. This team has it, and I guess Milwaukee, because they're bringing back the team that just won the championship. But, you know, if you're saying that they could get to the championship, then I definitely think they could win it, because who in the East is, you know, like, even if it came down to Brooklyn and and Golden State, if Golden State got to that championship, I might take them. I think Curry's better today than he was, you know, when they were winning their championships. that, That might sound crazy, but I think individually, he's a better player. So if he can elevate, if Clay can elevate, and they can get decent play from the role players, I could see them winning a championship or getting there. I feel a lot. I feel you on that. The, the the biggest thing is Clay. Like he hasn't played in two years, and he had the two most devastating sports injuries back to back. So, but like you said, he can get back to at least ninety ninety five percent of what we've seen him be. Then yeah, I wouldn't be surprised in it. I just I haven't seen it, so I, I can't bank on that, you know. Um, because him and those two together are just the greatest shooting duo of all time. <laughs> so them two alone can take them far, but it, it it is pending on him. But I still think you know the answer to your main question, like you know Kaminga and Moody are pieces that they're gonna try to move, even potentially Wiseman. So yeah, they they could all get right. a decent return. Yeah. So here's the thing. You guys want to make an executive decision? Turn this boat around. Let's go right into the draft. We can push the AFC North off. Hit that next week. I'm with it. Let's do it. Sure. Good, Leo? Yeah, that's sure. Let's just keep on. I think we got a good NBA role. You know, let's just fucking right here live. We're doing it fucking live. We're rerouting the ship. We're feeling it. We're going to move through. Um, any Zell, any free agency news you want to cover before we flip over to the NBA draft? Let's get it started with the young guys, the young bucks. All right. 
Let's heat it up. So, uh, NBA draft happens, comes up. I don't think there were too many surprises early. Uh, we're going to walk through this. Um, my only call-out, interesting thing to see, uh, two players drafted in the lottery from the G League. So, interesting to see players go that route, get the bag, and still end up getting drafted very high. Can I pause you there? Because uh, yeah. I actually want to have a conversation about that. Given that Let's we start. had two guys in the top 10 from the G League drafted, I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've had multiple top 10 picks from the G League. How do you guys think that that affects college basketball? You know, like I know that now the players are going to be able to get paid off their likeness and stuff, but if you can get paid either way, doesn't it make more sense to go to the G League and get that year of pro exposure? You don't have to go to class. You're in these NBA facilities getting workouts in. Like, at, at what point does it not make sense anymore to go to college if you're one of the best prospects? I personally think, and I've always said this, if you're at one of those big schools, like you have the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the Kansases, the North Carolinas, if you go to one of those schools and you're creating all those headlines and your team is a top five team in the country and you're playing on Big Mondays, you're playing on the Super Tuesdays, you're playing in all those big tournaments, you're in the NCAA tournament, I think that exposure is worth more for your game and your draft stock than the G League, to be honest. Like, I feel like if Jalen Green and Kamingo went to college, we would have been hearing about them just as much as we heard about Evan Mobley, just as much as we heard about Cade Cunningham. And we heard about them, yeah, but um, I think we would have been hearing about them more. Like, prime example is Zion. I think Zion going to Duke made him a lot more money than he would have if he had skipped college and went to the G League. I, I truly believe that. Like, and I know more players are going to do it now because you have like the overtime league, you got the G League, you got all these other other professional leagues and other routes you can go straight to to make money. And I don't, you know, knock any kids if they do that. But I think being a big man on campus and getting all the talk and things like that through see whether it's CBS, ESPN, Yahoo Sports, and all that. If you're a top college prospect, it is better if you go to college especially one of those high profile you know college basketball schools and now you can make money too doing it with name and likeness and there's not any really cap on that yeah i I always think going to college is the better route they're not going to class like that anyway (laughs) so yeah i've always said that so yeah all right matt what do you think i think 100 percent depends where you go you know we've seen players right now get paid a million dollars signing places at a high school signing to colleges i mean you're talking about the second pick in the draft you end up playing for someone that i mean think about the merchandise you can now sell your shirts like your 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 gear if you go to one of these big schools look what football's doing for the money now i mean there's money to be made in the droves right now tv deals are higher than they've ever been I think that you can 100% make more money going to college and going to the G League. I think you're going to see, I think what you saw was the market correct itself and said, if you're not going to pay these kids, they are going to go somewhere to get paid. And what happened is they got drafted number two overall. So that ruins your whole, you can't go to, you know, you're not going to go there and play the same level of competition or you're not going to go there and be able to get drafted wrong again. They went and did it. What happens, you know, same time that's going on, 
now you can profit off your likeness the whole point was to get paid they're not getting paid that much in the g league anyway this is an opportunity the g league is will fall back into a secondary slot players will go to college they will do their one year they will if they have to some will just go straight right the high school rules coming up here soon so g league doesn't matter either so you know players are going to be able to get paid as much as they want where they think that they can get the most and that's going to be with a brand like duke a brand like unc imagine a final four run for unc and you get a part of the jersey sale with your name on it crazy that is going to be worth so fucking I mean, much my, so my dude, you know yeah my that's dude zion had barack obama and jay-z coming to games like can you imagine right if the um and I yeah, exactly. then like Jay-Z was pulling up to the University of Pittsburgh on a random Tuesday to see Zion play like you know and yes. ESPN is all over it it's all talk during that game it's all talk the next day like the G League had a couple of games on on ESPN plus maybe ESPN two at like two o'clock in the afternoon when people at work and stuff like I, yeah I, no knock against it I'm maybe I'm biased too because I'm a big college basketball fan and things like that but I always think if you take that route it's better for your exposure. I don't think college basketball is going to have an issue with it or die, you know? Nope, I don't think so. I think they keep rolling. So I, I think that you're going to be able to like your players more because you can wear their jerseys out with their names on them. I think it's a big deal. So I think the money can be made anywhere. I mean, I think they can make more money now in college. So I think you're going to see that reverse. Um, starting off this draft, really, I think there was – were any of you shocked by the number one pick? No, nah, I think that we've all known okay. that Cade Cunningham was going to be the number one pick for months now before right. we even knew who had the number one pick. Yeah, so. for real. No, exactly. All right, then, Leo, what was the first pick that you were upset with or took you by surprise? <laughs> I didn't really want to do it to him uh, live on air. Uh, but when I was, ta- I was texting Zell here during the draft, you know, we're kind of going back and forth as the picks are being made. When Toronto picked Scotty Barnes, that was when I, I kind of threw my phone down like, all right, what are we doing here? What, what are we doing here? And I just know that me saying this right now means that Scotty Barnes is going to turn into like this all NBA guy who's going to be a part of a championship team. Like that's just how this is going to go. But the fact that he's not a shooter and you're picking him at number four, I, I'm not... I'm not picking anyone. I've been saying this for a while now. I'm not picking anyone that is a non-shooter in the lottery. If I'm an NBA team in 2021, I'm not. If you can't shoot threes, if you can't shoot from the mid-range, if your jumper is not working, I'm not picking you inside the lottery. And if that means that I miss out on a Giannis, then fine. Fuck it. Because Giannis only comes around so often. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. Yeah. This man, uh, I, I'll, I, I'll never forget this, man. He said that <laughs> they picked this man, Thabo Sethlosha, <laughs> in the top five. Like, he, he is a new way to Thabo Bro, Sethlosha. tell me that's not Thabo Sethlosha. Oh, tell me that's not Thabo Sethlosha. And I watched a lot of Scotty Barnes because obviously I'm a Duke fan playing the ACC. He went to Florida State. So, he's, he's very versatile. He really is like a do-it-all type, you know, he played point for them, he's 6'8", his wingspan's crazy and things like that, but basically he can do everything but shoot. So it's not Ben Simmons bad, but it's kind of like Draymond-ish bad how it is now, so... See, go ahead. that's the comp that I kept seeing. I kept seeing Draymond Green, mm-hmm. right? And I, I'm looking at my TV screen like, okay, the best case scenario 
is that this guy is the guy that was the third. And no disrespect to Draymond Green. I think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day, one of the best defenders of all time. But this man needs to be one of the best defenders of all time to, like, hit his ceiling. Like, I don't like that bet, personally. <laughs> if, right. if, if you need to be one of the best defenders of all time to make the pick hit, then uh, I'm not really feeling it. Yeah, I, I definitely thought they were going to go Suggs there. That was my favorite player in the draft. Um, I think he would have fit everything, especially with them losing Lowry, which we kind of figured that we all kind of knew was going to happen. He would have slid right in there next to Van Fleet, you know, um, but they went Barnes. And, I mean, he's, if anything, they, they he's kind of like a Siakam, but he, he really can't. Um, if he develops a jumper, he'll be great. But like Leo said, I'm not picking a dude in the top 10 lottery if you can't shoot like it's just not not in today's NBA man not not in today's NBA you have Siakam you have OG Ananobi and then you decided to pick someone who's like a blend of both of them like <laughs> like why for yeah. what you know especially knowing that you were going to need a guard they 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 let Kyle Lowry go to Miami they knew they were going to do that during the draft they didn't just decide that you know this morning so why would you not pick a guard there you mentioned Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs falls one spot below to the Orlando Magic. Uh, I think him getting to five is crazy. I think Jalen Suggs is the highest motor. I mean, besides Cade Cunningham, I really thought that Jalen Suggs was incredible throughout the tournament. Wanted the ball in his hands, dominated. He ends up going to Orlando. Orlando hasn't done anything this offseason except sign Robin Lopez, the wild man. Um, they kind of have retooled with a lot of young players. Zell, you like this Suggs pick going I to love Orlando? It. The fact that he fell to them, like, when the Magic had this draft lottery, there was a chance to them saying they could potentially get two top five picks. And I think they have some of the worst lottery luck alongside, like, the Knicks. So them getting five and eight, everybody was just saying, oh, they just missed that top four, you know, and things like yep. that. So the fact that he fell right there to them, I – think it's great and Orlando's right down the road from where we're at so I'm gonna be going a lot of games catching them Suggs was my favorite player in this draft like you said he has that motor he has that mentality and he does it on both ends of the floor um a lot of the reports are saying like his jumper is shaky or whatever like it it I don't understand like it really isn't that bad as people are making it out to be I think they're just kind of nitpicking because that's his worst trait but he can shoot it and he can shoot it off the catch he can shoot it off the dribble um, he makes plays on both ends. I saw some Jason Kidd comparisons and heard some of them. I don't really see that because he doesn't have that type of like vision. I think Kidd is bigger, but he definitely, I mean, he was the Gatorade National Player of the Year in football and basketball in Minnesota. Like he could have went to any one of these Ohio States, Florida's, Bama's to play quarterback, you know? So, and he showed that at Gonzaga making those winning plays. I mean, they were undefeated until the championship game. So I, I, I love Suggs. He was my favorite player in the draft. I'm definitely going to go down to Orlando and catch a lot more Magic games this year just to see what they got going on. I kind of liked how they followed up the Suggs pick with Franz uh, Wagner. Mm -hmm. Franz Wagner, yep. that's his name. Yep. Yeah, I like that. I mean, Orlando, they've been searching for that forward who can kind of defend and give them some shooting. They've been searching for that guy for how many years now? Like, Ever. They've, they've been searching <laughs> for that guy for at least like five, six years in a row now. And I think they might actually have a guy. And so the, their team already has some decent bones. You add uh, you add Suggs and then you add Wagner. I think Orlando might be cooking with something, which is extremely interesting because, like you say, they're down the road. So I'm yep. low-key cheering for them to field a decent team. That way I can enjoy some basketball. But 
I think that this draft was a step in the right direction because the two things they've been needing is that playmaking guard, which mm-hmm. they have not had since Penny. Was Penny really the last great guard that they had? Who? Uh, pretty much, yeah, because after that, it was just like, the Dwight years and they had Rafer and Jameer. No disrespect to them, but it's the, right. So they haven't had a great guard <laughs> since T Mac. I guess is the last great guard that they had, but he's a right. shooting guard. So they haven't really had a point guard right. since since Penny Hardaway. Like they've been searching for that guy for a long time. And hopefully Suggs is that because that would kind of make the whole team go. You know, like mm-hmm. I feel like Orlando's just a a scoring playmaker away from being able to make serious moves because they've been one of the best defensive teams in the league for like two or three years in a row now. Yeah, and I do like their head coach they hired, Jamal Mosley. He was an assistant with the Mavs. Um, before the Knicks hired Thibs last year, I wanted him, like, but I just feel like he didn't have that much umph there yet. You know, We interviewed him, but I, I he was head, he was assistant under Rick Carlisle, I think, for his majority of his tenure when he was with the Mavs, and like him and Luca were close. But I, I really like that hire. So Orlando might be cooking up some things this offseason, you know. I sure hope so. Yeah, yeah, it is uh, going to be an interesting thing for them to see if they can finally pull out of this kind of tailspin of uh, unluckiness, if you want to call it. They they've definitely bungled their fair share of things. But they've really struck it out. They've kind of flipped that a little bit. I think Marco Fultz showing some life last year is encouraging. Um, one interesting thing of note, eight players, nine players from outside the United States drafted in this draft. Uh, wow. You know, interesting thing to see a lot more international players making it in every year, whether they come over here to a college or drafted uh, right out. It's a very world is catching thing. up. Um Oh yeah, and you know it should be. That's sure. good to see. Uh, we need we need more of that mixing. Makes everything better. Uh, yes, Zell, sir. How long in the draft did it go until you got pissed off? Man, I'm the. the I I want to go. I I gotta go with six, man. Um, when the Thunder took Josh Giddy, to me he's like he he's basically Ricky Rubio. That's what he is. Like seriously, <laughs> like I don't know if you guys have seen this tape, um, but. He's a bigger point guard. I think he's like six, 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 seven. He's got great vision. He can, you know, see above defenders. He makes all these flashy passes and stuff. But I, I just don't get. I mean, I, you just signed SGA, you know, to that max, and he's better with the ball in his hands. I know he can play some off ball, but you want the rock in his hands. And from what I've seen with this dude, Josh Giddy, he's not an off ball type, you know, player. He's not gonna you know, be there to spot up or catch it. He's better playmaking with the ball in his hands. So I, I that was the pick where I was like, for real? Like, mm, it, it 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 didn't it didn't hit right with me. Ricky Rubio, that's that's who he is to me, Ricky Rubio. Any issue with the number six pick, Leo? Uh oh, we're talking about the giddy pick? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I remember Josh yeah, when I, when that pick went down, that was another one where I picked up my phone in Texel and I'm not going to pretend to be the most versed in Australian basketball, you know, like I'm not going to, I'm not even going to pretend, but from what I watched, you know, in the 15, 20, 25 minutes I spent watching his stuff, it just kind of felt like I was looking at a role player, like a good, 
you know, a good steadying presence off the bench, you know, like one of those type of, yeah, this guy runs my second unit, like a Lamar Odom, I guess is kind of like what I, I felt like I was looking at, you know, maybe not the exact same play style, but just that guy, big guy can handle the ball off the bench. He, you know, he gets everyone involved. He makes his plays. I didn't feel like I was looking at a lottery pick though. Okay. Well, it took about four picks in before Leo got angry, and then six picks in for Zell. Um, what about you? I'm right about well, the well, well. same thing. Four. You covered it with Barnes. <laughs> I, I first off, I thought Suggs should have gone to Cleveland. Uh, I I have no problem with the Evan Mobley. When Scotty Barnes went up with the Rafters, I was like, all right. I mean. Go fuck yourself. Look, I get that they have, have Van no Bleet idea and they have Gary Trent, so maybe they feel like they don't have a need for a guard right now. But I'd still take the guard. Yeah, I would <laughs> like take give, give yeah, me the that's, guard. That's that Phoenix situation where you're like, okay, well, we have Devin Booker. We really don't want to end up drafting, you know. Luka. We don't uh, need Luka, Luka Doncic we already Trey have. Young. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. We already have a pretty decent center. He's a really good guy. You're like, all right, this is... Get this out of here. So, um, all right, then let's go through some gems. Uh, Leo, start us off with a gem, and, and who you think is going to who you think is going to surprise. And let's start here. Unless you think one of the top five picks is going to be Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame. Let's 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 you know stick with our gems for a little further down, gentlemen. A little further. All right, I'm going to go with the 16th overall pick that was. That was made by Oklahoma City, but traded to Houston, kind of like what Houston's doing here. Uh, They picked up, I'm not even going to try to say his first name, last name's Sengun. He's a a Turkish guy. Yep. Alperin Sengun. All right, you guys are better than me. I wasn't even going to try to say that first name. But, yeah, I like this guy. The Turkish Super League MVP, I think he averaged like 24 points on a, a pretty efficient 24 points in FIBA, FIBA play for uh, Turkey to qualify for the Olympics. So, um, if I can't pick any of the guys in the top five, I'm going to go with this guy from Turkey. He's 6'10", is what I'm seeing here. He's only just turned 19 years old, and he might be the future of the power forward position for the Houston Rockets, who I think had a good draft because I like Jalen Green better than pretty much everyone in this draft. Uh, my hot take from the draft is that he, not Cade Cunningham, will be the best player out of the 2021 draft. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Like that, Best. like that hot take. Um, so so I, I got my first one. I'll go since he got drafted first was um, James Booknight. He went eleven to the Hornets, um, okay. and I was telling Leo about this guy for a while. Like he went to UConn. Um, he reminds me of Zach Levine offensively. Like he's explosive. He can score at all levels. Get to the basket. His three shot. Um, was a little inconsistent um, his last year, but I know he had some injuries while he was at UConn, but uh, he can shoot it better than he displayed there. Um, and I think, honestly, him falling those few other spots outside of the top 10, he went to a great spot. Like, now he gets to play alongside LaMelo Ball. He gets to play alongside Miles Bridges. And I think that's just a great fit for him there. Um, so James Booknight at 11. And my other I, I'll give you is, and I didn't expect him to go this far. It's crazy. Um, Sharif Cooper. He ended up going in the late second round, pick 48 to the Hawks. And the irony with that is he's about the same size as Trey Young, maybe a tad bit bigger. He's actually from um, 
the Atlanta area. I think he went to high school there, but he is dynamic, man. And the way he can pass the ball, the way he sets his teammates up, it, it reminds me of how Trey does it too. Um, he's not nearly as good as a shooter as Trey. He has more of like a set shot. He's going to need to work on that. But I think that was a great landing spot for him because he can learn under Trey's wing. He can come in with that second unit and they have those guys around him, Bondanovich, you know, the Cam Reddish, the DeAndre Hunters, the Kevin Herters, the John Collins that they re-signed him, the Capellas, to where he can kind of play that same style as Trey, set those guys up and get them going. I I, I love Sharif Cooper. I wanted the Knicks to take him. They passed on him three times, but he, he you'll hear that name. He's going to put on a show there in Atlanta. I like that you bring that up because I feel like the backup point guard position in Atlanta is probably like the most important hole that they need to fix. Lou Will was cool and, and shout out to Lou Will. Love Lou Will. But, uh, you know, when you get into the playoffs, I think you, you want someone that can do a little more than what Lou's giving you. And so if they could hit on a second point guard, woo-wee. Atlanta yeah. might be a team to look at. Sure. They're already a team to look at, in my opinion. But, you know, if they yeah. get a solidified backup point guard, and I think that they just traded for one, too. Uh, DeLon Wright, I think they traded for. Um, oh, did they? But, yeah, that, yeah, I think on the low, I think they traded for him a couple days or on draft night. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that, that position in Atlanta is one to watch. So I like that call out. Yeah, for sure. My little steal uh, ended up not where I wanted him, but... I'm going to go with it. Uh, Corey Kispert. I think this is someone who is going to be a contender for, I'm not going to say he's going to make all-star games. I'm not going to say that uh, he's going to make all pros, but this is going to be a guy. I think it's going to be able to contribute to championship teams, either as the fifth guy or sixth guy. I think his ability to just cold bloodedly shoot the three is going to be a big asset. Uh, I think he can play some defense. He's tenacious. The guy's got a motor. He's someone I could see uh, posting up in a playoff game where you can expect that, you know, you're at home and you need 21 points from a random shooter and he goes six for eight. And I think that's what he can give you. Uh, he, uh, 6'7", 223 pounds, so he's not a small guy either. He's going to be able to hang in there with, with some of the bigger players you see. Uh, and he's not too big to where he gets left in the dust. I think this is going to be a good defensive player who can shoot the ball. It's going to be a piece of a team. For me, this is a steal how late they went. I really wanted to see him on a different team because everything Washington touches kind of turns to dog <laughs> shit. But that's where he ends up, you know. So it's like that's the player I like. I like his motor. I loved what he did for Zaga. And well, I guess I'm kind of caught with in, in shit, shit creek. Um, Zell. Any any parting thoughts on the draft here? Nah, man. Um, this draft it was they were talking about it was one of the deeper drafts, like trying to compare it to the two thousand three draft and things like that. You know, I think I think there'll be some guys though, like who did go in like the early second, you know, later in the first, like who will you know play well and do well for the team that they went to. I do like ironically what the Nets did. Dayron Sharp, Cam Thomas late in the first. Um, I like what the Clippers did, getting Jason Preston, Keon Johnson. Those are some solid picks. So this draft has some, you know, some solid depth. So uh, I like to see what these guys do. And summer league, I think, starts real soon. So today, today. Yeah, they're playing it right now. Oh, today. Yeah. today. Oh, wow. Yeah. So look at that. We get to watch them live in action yeah. right now. There you go, Leo. Thoughts? No closing thoughts. Do have a closing exercise for you though. Okay. Something that came through in, in uh, a chat, a group chat of my friends today that I just thought would be an interesting question to ask here on, on live on air. So I have a hypothetical for you, an Olympic hypothetical. 
You have four years to train and win bronze in at least one competition in the Olympics to win $50 million. Which competition, which Olympic competition do you think in four years you could train to be good enough to win a bronze and $50 million? Um, so I'll go ahead and go first. If, if, if you need some time to think. Nah, I go, go ahead, go ahead. I, I know mine, but you go ahead, go ahead. All right. This is going to sound weird, but I think the only fucking one I got a shot in is like archery. I think I got to go with one of the shooting ones. I think archery. Like the least Are you kidding of me? Something. I'm picking hey, one of them, the man. That's what, I like I, I'm I being like real. I'm, I'm being real. I'm going, okay, look, I don't have to get my body in like any type of mode and be the best athlete. You know, like that's tough. These people are 23. I got to pick an event where people win when they're like 40. This man's trying I'm to like, turn okay, into give me the shooters. Like, I'm just I'm just trying to be I'm just trying to make 50 million dollars, okay? You put me in one of the shooting ones, archery, I'll let you take your pick. That's where I'm going to be cuz you know, I I I ain't got the makeup to do any of the other shit. What what's your I yourself? said 3 on 3 basketball. I mean, just cuz I mean, I played that my whole life, so I feel like it's less team stuff you need with the 5 on 5. I could get two other dudes and that's something I'm comfortable with so if you're giving me four more years to get right for that and just get two other people I I mean I feel the most confident in that if I had to pick a backup though other than that it probably would be either handball or rugby to be honest Okay. Yeah, you got mine right there. Rugby is 100% what I'm going with. I definitely think that rugby is just football without pads, and I yep. think that I could do that at a decent level. Uh, even at, at 30 years old, I, I think I could still get out there if you gave me like two years to get into really good shape. I think I could go out there and make some shit shake. So that old rugby is what in. I would go with. <laughs> if I had to pick a backup though, I'll probably pick like cycling or something where I just need to get in the best shape I can get into and just hope God got my back from there. You know, that that would be a backup for me. I'll go with cycling. I'm shooting guns. <laughs> I'm shooting guns straight up. I would have been I would have been more down for your pick if if you picked like uh like skeet shooting or the clay clay shooting. Oh yeah, the clay, I yeah. Been down for that. Oh, I'm, okay, you're right. I flipped mine. I'm now there shooting at the clay okay. doves. I'm All in. right, I respect that. You talking I'm about done. archery? Just, like, you know? No, nah, you're not. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> I mean, look, I gotta pick one of these where I don't really, have, you know, 31. I can't make up a ton of ground, so I'm like, I, you know, I gotta pick somewhere. I still be like, oh, you just gotta hit that sign over there. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I can, I can do this. I can do this. So that's I can I'm respect playing. that. I just know that if I joined an archery competition, especially in the Olympics, I'm probably going to end up going against like some kid from Taiwan that's been shooting the bow and arrow since he was three to catch fish. Bro. You know, like <laughs> it's going to be something like that. That it's like a, I can't beat this. Well, There's no way I can beat this. I'm going into the woods. Day, like. <laughs> right. I'm going into the woods. I'm living like him. <laughs> I'm going to take all my experience in the trenches. I'm going to go live in his fucking yard. I'm I'm, I'm going out there. All right, I think that does it. Leo, take us home. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Pick and Play Show. For the fellas, my name is Leo. 
Make sure you rate, subscribe, review, share with a friend. As usual, I always tell you guys, share with your mom, your girl, your brother, your, your boyfriend, sister, girlfriend. I don't care who you share it with. Just make sure that you share the Pick and Play Show with someone. Again, for the fellas, I am Leo. We'll see you next week.